time for another episode of the Madman in the Attic podcast. It is uh, November 10th, 2016. How are you guys? <laughs> Dude, it's November 10th, right? Which means, um, yeah, we've got a new president-elect, uh, President Trump, which obviously pretty much everybody called beforehand. Uh, no surprises there. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, man. It's amazing how many people I have talked to who were just shocked, shocked that uh, that things basically didn't go exactly as they wanted. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm from California. I've lived most of my life either in California or on the East Coast. So, like ninety percent of the people I know um, live in one of those two places, pretty much. I mean. I got some friends in, in other places, but mostly because I met them, you know, in New York or whatever, and then they moved either back to, you know, for example, Texas or whatever. But really, like, nine out of ten people I know um, is, yeah, is living in a major city on one of the two seaboards, and, yeah, basically we're totally unprepared for this outcome. I mean, like, psychologically, just not even... I don't know. I feel like other elections, you know, w w that were so close going down to the wire. I remember at least other times, both sides being a little bit more like, you know, you got to hunker down. You got to prepare for the worst. There's a good chance your candidate's not going to win. That's what it means. That's what a close election is, right? Or at least, you know, what they think is going to be close beforehand. Um, but I don't know this one. I just feel like people who, pe people who were anti-Trump were were so anti-Trump that like even sort of turning over the idea in their heads of, of the possibility of him being president uh, was too much. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> there was some like psychological defense mechanism where all those people just wouldn't even consider the, the possibility. What would happen if he won? You know what I mean? Um, it's unimaginable. Like literally you can't imagine it. You can't. I think if you can imagine it, then maybe you could, you know, prepare beforehand a little just in case it happens so that the next morning you're not walking around. Dude, people's faces. I mean, I, I just saw I just saw some – it wasn't even like sadness. It wasn't even that. It was an earlier stage of grief. You know, I don't remember those, <laughs> those stages of grief, right? But I think like there's anger. There's denial. You know what I mean? I don't know if, if one of those stages is just absolute shock, like a, a complete – lack of any any sensation people were just numb it's it was you know to be honest it's somewhat hilarious to be honest um <laughs> i mean just because it's funny when so many people around you it would probably be different if i were living in an area with, with a lot of trump support there was a majority of trump supporters and they were all like celebrating i would probably also be like uh you guys are fucked up we have no idea no nobody not even Donald Trump, dude. I'm totally convinced. Not even Donald Trump has any idea where any of this is going, you know. And that's fine, I guess. You know, if, if you're into that kind of thing, um, I think a lot of people were just like, yeah, let's let's do absolutely anything besides what we've been doing. Um, and obviously Trump, you know, was a refreshing, <laughs> a refreshing alternative. Uh, I like that. It makes them sound like a citrus soda. Mm, refreshing. Um, I don't know, man. I just think about people. Like, I know, 
this is my experience of what I consider to be Trump country, meaning, you know, the red states, the states that voted red, including now most of the upper the industrial or post-industrial Midwest, I guess, right? Because um, now Chicago, i uh, sorry, not Chicago, Chicago, Jesus, Ohio, Indiana is definitely red, red state. But now, yeah, right, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, they looked like they were, uh, you know, so they, they, they've, now they're also in the that group. Um, and I know a lot of people from there, dude. I, and I think, you know, most of the people that I know, our experience of people, if we were born in California, for example, or born in, and raised in New York, you know, you, you tend to meet people who are from those red states who have moved to San Francisco, moved to LA, moved to New York or whatever. And, you know, you talk to them about their lives, uh, back home or whatever, you know, and they describe all these things growing up and you're like, oh my Jesus Christ, you know, this sounds, you know, I, I, I talked to guys, <laughs> I've talked to guys recently, a guy who grew up in rural Michigan and another guy who grew up in not at all rural, uh, Ohio, suburban, and they're, just their experiences of growing up are pretty different from mine, you know what I mean? It's so different that I'm like, wow, that, that I could easily see how this would, you know, this would create a very different form of society than the one I'm used to living in. And I mean society like in a small sense. I mean, so usually when we say society, we mean like everybody. But when I think of society, I really mean like people I come, I have social contact with. You know what I mean? Like the people I come into contact with. Most of them tend to think a certain way. You know? If you live in California, if you live in New York, most of the people you meet are going to tend to agree with you on most of your, you know, beliefs. At least politically. Not all of them, you know. But it's not at all like when you go, you know, you go back to, to rural Michigan or whatever, you know. Or this girl I knew. She was from, she was from, oh, geez, one of the Dakotas. And she moved to San Francisco. Loved it. Like, loved San Francisco. Like, so loved the city that it was, uh, it was a little weird. You know what I mean? It was <laughs> Like, she just talked about San Francisco like it was... It was paradise on earth. You know, this was where humankind had really reached the pinnacle of whatever, you know, political sensibility and uh, everything good. And everything back home for her was terrible. You know what I mean? Her parents were horrible people and backwards and her whole family was fucked up. And everybody basically in the town she grew up in, uh, you know. Sounded sounded like we were like fucking Truman Capote characters. You know what I mean? It was like they, they uh, she was just so happy to be so far from them, you know. And of course, you know, when she tell you these stories about life back home, it wasn't you know, it wasn't a farm. I don't even think I don't. It wasn't. It's nothing to do with being that rural, but it's not. It's not a coast. You know, it's not Los Angeles or New York, right? It's not a big city on the coast. And uh, she'd tell you all these stories, and you'd just kind of nod and be like, well, yeah, that sounds fucked up, man. Those sound like, you know, a lot of fucked up people. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you were able to get out of that. And, you know, you, you're not realizing that there's other sides to this story is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Because, you know, who knows what her parents are saying about her. Um, and they might be saying really positive things, you know. That's often what people in the Midwest do, by the way. That's one of the <laughs> – that's one of the things that freaks out – People from the coast the most, I think, about uh, about most red state people. Is they're, they're just, they're very nice. They're very friendly. They're genuinely warm and kind-hearted, you know? They really are. You know, dude, you think about that girl's family and, uh, you know, 
the mom and dad that she said are fucked up and all her family and all of her those people all vote dude you know those people are all still voting um and the fact that you can't fathom their point of view or that in general man i mean i think that the, the fact that most i think americans now find it very hard to understand what people who don't agree with them how they could feel that way you know you had the the clinton supporters on one side just thought that if if you supported trump you were beyond understanding you were beyond logic reason and the ability to comprehend you you were incomprehensible in in the fundamental sense and same thing for trump supporters trump supporters looking at people who were going to vote for clinton like you know, talk about them like they are subhuman intelligence, like they clearly lack some essential human faculty for uh, reasoning and whatever, compassion and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, man, maybe it's always been like this in American history. I don't know shit about American history, but, you know, it doesn't stop me from talking about it. Um, it seems like <laughs> it seems like in the past, you know, it wasn't quite – the divide was not so severe. You know what I mean? It's like it used to be – well, I know it was like this because I have people in my family. I mean people who might have passed away now. But earlier generations, you know, my grandparents' generation, grandparents, great uncles and aunts, whatever you call them, um, they used to talk all – I remember they would say like the, some of them were registered Republicans. Some of them were registered Democrats. They would often vote for the other side's candidates at multiple levels. It wasn't even just a presidential thing, you know? It was, I don't know, which now seems, I don't know, pretty hard to imagine. I don't mean voting, you know, voting Republican and one in the presidential thing and then maybe voting for a senator who's a Democrat. I, I, I don't mean that. I mean that most people seem to feel that, yeah, who, if, if, if you're voting for the opposite presidential candidate, then your, your views are just so far out there that it's almost like we don't have to even attempt to understand each other, you know, which I don't know, I think is stupid, but whatever. I think it might, it might be an, ine an inevitable consequence, man, you know, I mean, we're so fucking big now, and we're so, I don't want to say fucking varied, that's not the right phrase, it's a good thing in a lot of ways, dude, there's more diversity, you know, which in general is, is almost always a positive thing, it just seems like if if you're a huge huge country and you get this unprecedented amount of diversity it does seem inevitable that the that the range of opinions is going to become more diverse and finding a way to manage that and and finding i don't know ways to coexist with such a massive amount of diversity is uh i don't know i think it's important i don't know if we're going to ever be able to do it it's easier to do, I think, if you're a small little society, you know, you're fucking, you're a, we started as a colony, man. We were a colony, all right? 13 colonies, all right? Banded together, right? Basically all the same type of person. Like, if you, if you went back in history now to the founding of America and you just, like, walked around the street, you'd be like, dude, this is like, everybody looks the same. I mean, this is like, they're all pasty white people, you know what I mean? I mean, there's men and then there's women, but, you know, let's not exaggerate the the level of diversity. I, I know there were other races, you know, around, but it wasn't like, you know, I think a general walk down the street. Yeah, you know, it's not like it is today. 
it's not like it is today in most of the areas where I've lived, at least, you know. Um, and I don't know. It is like that today, man. And I feel like we, we, uh, we're just not doing a good job of, I don't know, figuring out ways to, to accommodate that diversity now that we've grown so big and, you know, have, I don't know, just a bunch of different people all living together. You know, it is a cool thing, but it's, uh, it, it can be a difficult thing, I think, to manage. Anyway, dude, enough about that. Fuck it. it. The election is over. It's over. It's over. It's done. Thank God for that, dude. I was so, oh, dude, I was thinking it was going to be like a redo of 2000, fucking recounts and hanging chads and fucking Florida, dude. Just Florida. Ah, looked at those maps. I was like, if Florida fucks up once again, dude. Nah. But anyway, they came through. I mean, they voted for Trump, I guess, but you know, still, they didn't, they didn't fuck us up. Um... Yeah, so you know, now we've got to get back to uh, back to living, I guess, right? Or that's the funny thing, man. The election—it feels like I swear to God—it feels like a sporting event. I mean, it really does. The way they present it on TV, it's exactly the same as fucking like the Thursday night football setup. Um, you know, the announcers slash moderators. There's the you know, and the whole thing is like which candidate's going to win. It's like it's a competitive. It's not athletic, but it's an event. You know, and then when you get the winner, you're like, okay, now we're done. Now we can go back to ignoring politics. And oh wait, shit, no, that's not right, uh, <laughs> dude. Now, now we gotta, dude. What's gonna happen? Like, who's Trump gonna name for his uh, his cabinet and stuff like that? I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Um, yeah, I think both sides can agree, dude. This is, this is. Uh, this is going to be – this is a more interesting result, you know. Although Clinton, who knows, man. If she'd won, there's all that talk about it. They're going to try to impeach her and throw her in jail and Jesus Christ. But uh, with Trump, there's just so little we know. Dude, we don't – I don't know. I, I, as I said before, I don't think he has any clue what he's doing. I really feel like he's making most of this shit up as he goes along, which is not – I don't mean that as, as a criticism. I mean I, if that is true – if he's really making this shit up as he goes along, that is some phenomenal level of, of making shit up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it takes a certain kind of genius to, to plan all of this Trump campaign and victory from the beginning. It would take an even more amazing level of genius if he was just sort of trolling us this whole time and making shit up as he's going. Um, yeah, nah, anyway. There we are. There we are. Trump presidency coming up. I don't want to talk about Trump, dude. I don't want to talk about Clinton. Let's talk about something else. Oh, my my wonderful children, perhaps. The little angels that bless us. Bless our presence. Um, no, my kids are good. I, uh, I made, I failed at baking cookies with them. <laughs> with my daughter. Um... Just, I didn't get the right ingredients. We were going to make cookies together the other afternoon, a couple afternoons ago. And, uh, no, it was yesterday. Dude, it was yesterday afternoon. Jesus Christ. It was the day after the elections. Wednesday afternoon. I was bummed. I was like, I was like a little bit in a funk about the election. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, you know, and I was supposed to make cookies with my daughter. We were supposed to make a certain kind of cookies. I went to the market and got the wrong shit. And, uh. So she was bummed. So she she got she kind of got angry at me, and she didn't want to make cookies. 
So we ate uh, artificial cookies. We not artificial cookies. <laughs> well, yeah, like fucking industrial, regular cookies, not Oreos, but like Oreos. You know what I mean? They're like lemon. I forgot the they're called whatever. They're little sandwich cookies. They're you know come in perfect little circles. They're not at all homemade cookies. They're they're kind of a bummer. You know. They uh, yeah, dude. There's really there's nothing more sad really than an industrial cookie. You know, as compared to I mean compared to a homemade cookie. You know what I mean? Dude, obviously almost everything homemade. Most, most homemade things, you know, there's a charm to them. You know what I mean? Um, and some some things you make at home, you can't really get outside your home. And those are obviously cool. But most of the things I think you make, or that I make, I'll speak personally here. Um, my kids like my cooking, you know? Like I make, I make burgers. We do burger night. I do them right. I try to get, you know, good burgers, good meat. You know, get the meat ground just right. I fucking, you know, I do all this stupid shit that I think makes a difference. You know, my kids scarf them down. They're like, you know, you can't get too into cooking if you're a dad, by the way, because you start to feel like you're making art. And <laughs> this particular art, you know, gets fucking devoured by monsters. Okay. As soon, like within hours of its creation. Okay. So don't, don't get too attached to your little fucking pastries, whatever, you know, that's my advice. Anyway, I make some burgers, kids like them. Um, I'm getting better at my pizza. I've been working on the pizza recipe, the dough. I've been testing out different doughs. I think I've got the sauce down. You know, I've looked up shit on the internet and there's like no cook sauce versus cook sauce. What do you do? I've tested all these in the kitchen. Um, well, and in my stomach and, uh, yeah, I think I've got a good, a good working pizza recipe. It could be better, but it's, it's all right. You know, um, I got a spaghetti and meatballs dish that my kids like. You get your signature dishes down. That's, you know, that's important. Um, you got to have reliable family favorites, I think. You know what I mean? Not too reliable. You don't want to go to them too often. But you got you to have enough of those that you can kind of cycle through them and yet eat them often enough that, you know, your kids remember them when they're older. I think that's a cool thing, you know? The problem is that, you know, for, you know, burgers, pizzas, the spaghetti and meatballs, my kids love those. But, uh... You can get those and a better version of those, <laughs> not at any restaurant. I don't mean you can go into any restaurant, get a burger, you know, and it's going to be better than mine necessarily. But certainly within, you know, in, in our city, we have, we, we can easily eat far, far superior burgers. I mean, it, you know, high-end fucking burger places or, you know, shit burger places, which serve awesome burgers um, that I can't make taste that good, you know, at home. I just can't, right? So the kids dig those. So do I, dude. I'm not. It's not just the kids. Pizza, same thing, man. I can, I can work all, you know, my life on this fucking pizza recipe. We can still get a better pizza. It, it literally, it's a phone call away. You know, there's there's at least five different pizza places that deliver here that uh, are all superior to mine. Whatever. They got better ovens. They got more experience. I'm not gonna make excuses for my fucking pizza. I'm just saying it's a it's a it's a it's a fact that. Whatever you can get, you can get a better version in, in a restaurant. But that's not true, man. I don't think that's true for cookies. You know, I feel like um, I don't know, man. I feel like a homemade cookie. There's something else about it, right? Because a cookie's not just about the cookie. I think the cookie's about fucking cookie jars and the milk you drink with it and the table you're sitting on at and and the people who are with you talking about shit and you're listening to them while you're dunking your fucking cookies. That's fucking that's childhood man that's it you know and 
yeah, dude, I don't think you get all that with when you go out. I mean, most most restaurants don't even bother doing cookies. They know they can't they can't one up the homemade cookie. You know what I mean? So when you do, if you are out in a restaurant and they have their own cookie, you know, it's usually something. It's obviously pretentious. You know what I mean? It's got to have like a title, um, and it can't just be a cookie. They got to put a candle in it or a fucking icing or something. You know, they got to dress it up. They know they're they know they're wheeling out a, a subpar product. Um. Not again. The, the cookie itself might taste better than my cookies. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the experience of eating a homemade cookie, it, you know, entails more things than 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 just the cookie itself. That's it. That's my metaphysical deep thought for the day. Um. Not by the way. I should I should be clear. <laughs> I should be clear about this. Not that I don't actually eat industrial type cookies myself. All right. I fucking eat those. You know. By the sleeveful, all right. I mean, I, I have in the past, in the past. I like I like the way I make this sound like it's in the distant past. If you say it's in the past, um, as opposed to maybe like a week ago, uh, in the past I have eaten. Yeah, I've eaten multiple sleeves of Oreos in one sitting, dude. That is like, I'm not even. That's not, I'm not even bragging, dude. I'm not. It's not like you know. I'm just saying something I do. You know, um, <laughs> it's uh. Oh, they're, they're not very good. It's just for some reason they're so easy to pull out of the little sleeve. It just feels like, I don't know. And then if you don't finish the sleeve, you know, you got to fucking – well, I used to just twist them off, you know what I mean? Because I never – if I had a sleeve of cookies, it would never last more than a day, you know, maybe two, right? It, so you just you just twist the little tops. So it wouldn't get – you know, whatever. But now we got, we got cookies for the kids. I'm not – I got to not eat those, you know what I mean? I can't eat – my whole pantry's worth of cookies because now we got more cookies and I got to save some for the kids, right? So it's good. I'm learning self-control. Um, my wife likes to put uh, clothespins on the cookies, like chip clips, you know, chip clips, right? All right. So we, uh, we're too cheap for chip clips. Those are, we can't like afford a dedicated chip clip. Not, well, we could afford one, but we, we could not afford the number that we need for everything in our fucking cupboards. Dude, we've got, I don't know, I don't understand, dude, I don't understand. I used to finish food. I used to, like, be, I would open a box of cereal, I would then eat that cereal until the box was empty, I'd throw the box away, yes, throw it away, because this was the 70s, all right, fuck you, recycling, then I learned to recycle, and then I wouldn't do that, but, you know, think back to childhood, right? I would finish the box... It would get thrown away, and uh, then I get to open a new box. You know what I mean? And that was exciting, right? My dad's house—that was my mom's house. My dad's house—you could open multiple boxes of cereal, but there was still some limitation. There was some restriction. There was some oversight. Okay. Uh, my kids—and this is my fault. I know I'm the dad. I should be responsible, but I'm not. Um, our kids' cereals now take up two shelves. Of our limited space, dude. We do not live in a fucking... <laughs> we don't have one of those kitchens like my my fucking... Uh, my aunt used to have. I've got like an apartment-sized kitchen, all right? Uh, when you open this cupboard, you have to be careful because... Um, yeah, we've got so much cereal in there now that like it's they don't fit right. So they're, they're kind of not... They don't even all face the same direction. You know what I mean? It's like if you had a bookshelf and normally you'd have all the books, you'd see the little spines of the books all, not, you know, neatly lined up. 
This looks like, well, you know what? It looks like my children's bookshelf. That's a very good, there's a very good little metaphor right there. Yeah, walk into my daughter's room, her bookshelf, uh, you know, looks like a five-year-old has been the custodian of it for the past couple months. And, uh, you know, shit falls down, shit gets put back in the rock. That's what our cereal box shelf looks like now. You know what I mean? And we've got every one of them is open, man. Like, I can't get not stale cereal, it seems. So it's just this, like, we'll open a box. The kids will eat, like, a bowl or two, and then they'll move on to another bowl. Now my daughter, she's got to, like, mix the cereals. Jesus Christ. It's, you know, mornings, I got to get them ready, man. I got to, I feel like I want to have an assembly line mentality. You know what I mean? Like, I'm Henry Ford, and they're building Model Ts, okay, my children. Okay, not like in a sweatshop kind of way. I don't mean it like that. I just mean I'm imagining them <laughs> as being more efficient workers than, of course, they are, all right? And the Model Ts are, is themselves getting ready for, for school, okay? So, dude, it's not – there's not a lot of stuff we need to do. All we, you know, we need to, you know, eat breakfast, get their – get clothes on and get the other clothes off. Son, you know, got to change his diaper and then get, you know, clean basically, like clean themselves, clean any mess they made in the, over the morning, clean their teeth, all that shit. Right? Got to do my daughter's hair. That takes about an hour. Um, but the rest of it shouldn't, I don't know, in theory, why the fuck should it take so long? You know what I mean? But now it does. And it does in part because it used to be that cereal was like the fast breakfast. You know what I mean? So I try to make some good breakfast. You know what I mean? I mix it up. We had, uh, we had pancakes yesterday. Uh, day before that, we had oatmeal. You know, and there's always fruit. I'm always, I'm always getting them to eat fruit and all that shit. Um, but some days, you know, they wake up later, I wake up, whatever, we're in a little bit of a rush, I'm like, alright, it's cold cereal morning, you know, and they're like, yay, and I'm like, fuck you, what's wrong with my pancakes and oatmeal, you know, but <laughs> whatever, they're like, yay, and, uh, so then I start taking the orders, you know, I start writing the orders down, I'm like, alright, start with, start with the older one, what do you want, and, dude, she, it's like a fucking recipe of cereal, like, she's got, she wants them in different ratios, alright, she's, She's learning. She knows how to count, but she'll she'll be like she has no she has no fractions or anything yet. So she'll be like, I want one part Rice Krispies, and then one part Cocoa Krispies, and one part Cheerios, but not the blah blah Cheerios, the blee blee Cheerios, and and then I want two parts of the frozen cereal. I'm like, we're out of the frozen cereal. She's like. I'm like, don't cry, please, don't cry. I can't handle crying at any time by anyone, but least of all my daughter, and least of all at fucking, you know, whatever, seven in the morning, man, I'm not, I, I just, I'm not equipped to deal with that, so, oh, what happened without the frozen cereal, I don't know, I made her some suggestion, she, she took, she took something else, you know what I mean, I was like, we're out, I feel, I do, I feel like I'm working for, you know, like a, a restaurant here, I'm, I'm a shitty waiter who gets no tips, basically. Um, anyway, so then now just ordering their fucking cereal is like, and then, you know, then, then, then my son has to order his cereal. He's not as, he's two, right? So he's not as good yet. <laughs> he can't enunciate very well. And he's trying to express to me the names of his cereals, but I don't understand half of what he says, you know? So my daughter's trying to help me interpret my son's order. Um, usually we don't understand something and, and, and then he gets angry. Um, that's his, you know, that's his way of dealing with, 
Oh, the worst is if I don't if I don't understand his order and I don't check it before I make it. So I'll make his bowl of cereal and I'll put in whatever, you know, like the Rice Krispies. I think he said that. I think he wanted some fucking uh, cornflakes or whatever. And, uh, you know, a couple other things, whatever. Then I bring it into him and he sees like one of this, like he'll see the cornflakes or whatever. And he will point to it like it's, you know, it's a demon <laughs> that he's discovered in his cereal. And he just fucking, he won't eat the whole bowl of cereal, man. He he starts flipping out, you know, he's crying, he's like shouting, he's, and I'm like, what, what's the matter? And he gradually makes it known through his tears that uh, he didn't want cornflakes, he wanted frosted flakes, whatever, but he calls them, you know, he calls them cornflakes with the tiger or something like that. And I didn't understand. Uh, so then he won't eat the bowl of cereal. So then guess who has to eat the bowl of cereal? Yeah, dude, that's, that's my breakfast now, you know, how is that? I don't know. That can't be healthy. It can't be healthy for any of us, I'm sure. But whatever. He, uh, I'll make him a new bowl of cereal, and then he, then it's fine. And uh, he will eat. Once I get the ratios right, he will eat. He would eat cereal like until he burst. I'm not even. I don't even think I'm exaggerating. Like with that sentence. <laughs> like I, eh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to test it. He he might not understand how to stop eating cereal. Um, because he doesn't understand how to stop eating a lot of things he likes, but, you know, there's a limited quantity served to him, so we're good, you know? Um, it seems like anything, any carbs, you know? Any carbs are a potential problem. Sugar, obviously, ice cream, shit like that, you know what I mean? Um, like, I, we, when we go out to the ice cream, we've been to the ice cream store, there's one not far from us, sometimes I take my kid, my, my son there, and I'll get an ice cream cone, and he'll get an ice cream cone, and then we'll sit there. And I have learned now that I got to eat my ice cream cone pretty fast. Because my son, who's two, who's two years old, he will eat his ice cream cone so fucking fast. And if I'm not finished, by the time he's finished, he'll bug me for mine. Like, he'll start getting on my case about me sharing with him, even though he just finished a fucking ice cream cone the size of mine. And he is... uh what is he, one-fifth my weight or whatever? <laughs> he, uh, yeah, same thing, dude. Cakes, cookies, you know. One time my wife accidentally, she gave one of these, yeah, one of those artificial cookies, whatever it was. I don't remember. Not Oreos. I keep thinking Oreos. Not Whatever, some other cookie. She left a pack on the count, on the kitchen counter where my son could see it. Like, he's shorter than the kitchen counter, so if she just, like, pushed it back far enough, it'd be out of his, you know, he couldn't see it. But, she, you know, she left a little overhang. You know what I mean? And she left a little fucking clothespin, by the way. That's how he saw it. The little clothespins that we got to use for our chip clips. Because uh, we, have, we have too many. We're not going to buy a chip clip for every fucking bag in the pantry. Um, yeah, so we use clothespins. And my wife likes to distinguish. She doesn't like to mix clothespins. You don't want to accidentally, you know, actually hang clothes with a clothespin that's meant to be uh, for, the, for the kitchen. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, you gotta be careful. They're labeled. Our clothespins are labeled. Uh, anyway, so I think he saw one of the labeled clothespins, dude. He knew that's a kitchen clothespin. He knew what it meant. There were cookies up there. And, uh, so apparently my two-year-old, uh, pulled up a chair, climbed up the chair, and ate the pack of cookies. Ate it. Ate it. Ate the pack. It's gone. It, it was... It was disappeared. Unless he, like, hit him. I don't know. Maybe he's 
maybe maybe he's like bulimic and he's hiding food now around the house so he can eat it later. I hope not. I hope not. I pray to God that's not the case. I don't think so, man. I don't think he could do that. He's got no self-control. I'm telling you, he's got no willpower when it comes to the, the sweets. He just stuffed one of the – I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it at the table. Like if there's a plate of three cookies, he will just attempt to get them all in his mouth at the same time. Um, so good thing he didn't fuck it. I mean, good thing he didn't choke or something like that. That's, you know, that's one of my big fears now. You know, this, it's great being a dad because you basically, the whole world now is a source of potential death and dismemberment for your children. That's how you see life now. That's how you see the environment, excuse me, in which you live. All right. Wherever you go. You are constantly sussing out danger, all right? It's like it's fucking John, James Bond, you know, basically. Basically. I'm basically James Bond. Um, you know, I got to make sure there's no potential threats, you know? Not James Bond. It's more like a Secret Service detail. That's what it's more like. You know what I mean? Like that Clint Eastwood movie. Um, because the world is clearly out to get my children, you know? Uh, so I got I to gotta be ever vigilant, you know? Constant vigilance is the price we pay. Um, <laughs> my, and, and the problem is my wife doesn't help. You know what I mean? My wife is even better, even, even better. I mean, blows me away much, much better than I am in terms of imagining, uh, bizarre scenarios in which our children could die or be dismembered. Um, like I, I kind of stick to what I would consider, uh, you know, typical, Typical fears, you know what I mean? Uh, crossing the street. I'm, I'm worried about him crossing the street. I'm really trying to teach him, you know, always hold hands if you can't for some reason. If you're up, whatever. Always looking both ways, my five-year-old. I'm, I'm trying to teach her all that good stuff. You know, my wife uh, is concerned that... No, I'm not going to talk about my wife's concerns. No, that's not fair to her. She says this to me in private moments. But let me tell you guys, they are amazing, all right? I, my, my wife is, uh, you know, she's in a profession. She's in the law profession, all right, basically. She is not in the ed- entertainment field. She's not a writer. But I think she could be, man. I f- she has got an imagination to rival fucking, like, Philip K. Dick. You know that? He's a science fiction writer. That's I feel like my wife, dude, can she can envision just such fantastic scenarios. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe that is good for being a lawyer, but you know, I feel like her talent is being wasted. Not, <laughs> not writing the script for like the next Star Wars or whatever. Um, anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? Um, I don't remember. My fucking uh, kids eating cookies. Oh yeah, our cookies we didn't make. It was a disaster, and. Uh, not much else, man. Not much else. Uh, my wife took the kids out for a day. I mean, a, like a day and a night. So I got 24 hours of kid-free, wife-free fun. Um, it was amazing. It was it was amazing. I You know, they got back, and I, t- I said, I missed you guys dearly. I really did. It was true. I really missed them. But it was amazing how you could actually miss somebody and at the same time be so happy that they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's something I hadn't really quite experienced at that level before. You know what I mean? Usually you're like happy somebody's not there and uh, maybe after a while you start to miss them, but probably you don't. 
this this was just an intense combination of the two. All right, that's how it that's how it is. That's that sums up my feelings. Um, and I had a great time, dude. I did absolutely nothing productive in my twenty four hours of freedom. All right, I uh, watched stupid movies that I can't watch when my kids are around. Because uh, the jokes are too obvious, basically. Like, if I watch sophisticated humor, uh, my kids aren't going to get the jokes, so that doesn't really bother me. But, you know, I want to watch other stuff. I want to watch Blazing Saddles, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's like just kid-friendly enough to be not at all kid-friendly, I realize. So, whatever. Shit like that. Blues Brothers. You know, the classics, you know. I got to watch that shit on my own, though. Uh, caught up on Westworld. Dude, that's a good show. That is a good show. Fucking Ed Harris, man. That guy. Ah. Anyway, um, I'm not going to start yapping about Westworld. I think there's enough podcasts to do that already. Um, but it is, it is a good show. Please check it out if you haven't. Please check. What am I asking you please for? Jesus Christ. Check it out if you haven't already. Uh, unless you're my mother, in which case I don't think you would like it. Um, (laughs) uh, well, I did get into another argument. That's right. I was going to tell you guys. Good argument I had with another father. Always fascinating to talk to other parents about their parenting. Um, I didn't get an argument, dude. I, I don't want to make it sound like – dude, seriously. I am the most – people can parent any way they want, all right? Um, I, I understand parenting is fucking hard, all right? And I, I feel like mo- more of the time – seems like now people, like, you see a parent in trouble, the typical response now is you fucking take out your cell phone and video it. You know what I mean? So you can send it into either the press or the cops to talk about what a shitty mom or father you've videoed. You know what? Why the fuck, man? When did that start? Like, why? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you put your phone down and go help if possible, all right? I don't mean intervene all the time, but, you know, there was this video of, I think, a mom... I don't remember. She left her kid in a car. All right. She was at the parking lot. You know, I think like a supermarket left her kid in the car for really like 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, something like that. Some douche was videotaped, like, you know, had her on her cell phone. And yeah, I think sent the the tape. Jesus Christ. He did not have tape. I know. I know. 2016, dude. Tape. Jesus Christ. He sent in the footage. Can I say that still? Jesus. He sent in the footage of the video to the police. And I don't know if they arrested her or they just came out to talk to her or whatever, but she got hassled, you know? I think they did arrest her, dude. I think that's why I know this story. Um, what is wrong, man? What? I don't know. Just put down your phone. Don't leave it there. I'm saying put it in your pocket and then go help her out, man. Ask her, like... Hey, looks like you're having a shitty, horrible day. Do you just need somebody to run in the market for you for one thing while you stay out here with your kid? I don't know. Why why can't we do that? You know? Why can't we hold the door open for me more often, by the way? You know? Can I just bitch about that for a second? Like, when I'm with my child in a stroller... It's hard for me to – I mean it's not hard. I know. There's much harder things in life, all right? I know. There's people – there's soldiers deployed overseas. There's 
people who work to repair bridges and are suspended over a place. I don't want to think about shit, all right? I know there's much harder things in life. But for me, for my life, it's a hard thing, a relatively hard thing. When I'm pushing my baby or my now two-year-old in a stroller, it's hard to open a door, all right? It's, I got to do uh, maneuvers, basically, right? I got to turn around and I can open with my butt or I, I park the stroller for a second and then I walk around the store. I open the door, but then how do I keep it open? What if it's one of those doors that doesn't have a position where it stays open? All these things running through my mind, all right? All I'm saying is it would be a nice gesture if at that moment, if somebody saw me coming up to, you know, whatever, the door at the bank and I've got the stroller, how about a little open? How about a little open the door? How about a little, you know, it's literally if you if you ask somebody to imagine an act of being polite, I feel like it's the first thing that pops into my mind. Oh, opening the door for somebody. You know what I mean? Maybe it's like saying please and thank you. But whatever. Opening the door is the top five. And the thing is, man, uh, you know, it happens for women all the time. All right? I have seen on numerous occasions, I'm far enough away from the door that people at the door don't see me yet. There's a woman with a stroller. They open the door for her. By the time I get there, I know it's different people. It's not like there's a doorman at the bank. At least not at my bank. Um... <laughs> and the door doesn't you know i don't get the door opened for me you know what i mean i got to do my little maneuver thing you know what i mean i don't know what why would that be so hard and the, if i do ever get the door open i have to say this is going to sound sexist but fuck it um it's almost only men who ever open the door for me when i've got the stroller a woman holding the door open for me while i have a stroller is as rare an event as uh me getting flowers from my wife how's that How's that? How are those things for very infrequent events? Um, I'm not saying it's ever happened before. I think my wife got me flowers one time. I don't remember why. And I think I got a, I had the door held open for me by a woman one time when I had the stroller. But uh, again, it's so infrequent. I can't even remember the, uh, the occasion in either event. Anyway, I'm just saying, uh, if we're going to be holding doors open for anybody, why not? why not people with strollers, male or female? It shouldn't matter. You know, ah, Jesus, this is, this is our, our country now, you know, this is our country. I don't know. We'll see what happens, man. I am, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I really have no idea. And again, I don't think anybody has any idea, you know, uh, I was reading people like gun pro gun owners, like anti-gun control people were saying they were happy that Trump won, right? They were, they were saying, you know, Trump has been a big Second Amendment supporter. There's no way he's going to take our guns away, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't, you don't know that, man. I feel like with – no, I don't think we have any idea what this guy's going to do. I really don't. For good or for bad, you know, I, I just think he is a complete blank slate uh, even to himself. Um, so we uh, we shall see, man. It's going to be, as I said, if nothing else, it's going to be an interesting time. <laughs> All right, you guys, I'm going to sign off. Um, yeah, I will speak to you next week, assuming that <laughs> that everything, every, all the infrastructure that we've know, come to know and love uh, continues, despite the fact that Trump is the president-elect. Um, it's funny, isn't it? The country still manages to keep going. November 9th, here we are, November 10th. Um, things haven't fallen apart yet. So anyway... I'll talk to you guys next week. 
have a good one. As always, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, uh, rate, and or review. And uh, please consider telling a friend. All right? Yeah. Reach out across that divide, man. If you, uh, you know, if you're feeling like the country is becoming too fragmented, you know what I mean? Why not pick up the phone, reach out to somebody, and uh, tell them about the podcast, you know? The great healer, you know. <laughs> All right, you guys. I'm going to sign off. I will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye, everybody.